We've covered several topics, many topics, uh, and, um, and next time, by the way, and next month, uh, we're going to be covering the issue of personal purity and dealing with the issues of lust and pornography and iPhones and all that stuff. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be important. And you're like, I'm not going to that one. Uh, no, I, I, I think it'd be good for all of us to come and, and, and to be able to bring a buddy. Uh, you know, tell them what it's about. Say, hey, you know, there's going to be a bunch of guys. We're going to be getting into the Word and talking about something that the church doesn't talk about that much. Um, there's uh, reasons why I don't spend a ton of time talking about it. I do talk about it, I guess, but, um, uh, you know, there are some churches, they make it a major theme on a Sunday morning often, and then there are others that never talk about it ever. Uh, and there's a reason, I think, that we'll get into uh, of uh, how important it is to, to deal with that rightly, I think, in the church. Uh, personal purity, something that Donald Trump needs to deal with, uh, according to his last recording that we heard yesterday, if you haven't heard yet. Uh, man. Uh, this is tougher and tougher as the weeks go by. Um, maybe you haven't heard, but you, hopefully you don't. Uh, it's, it's, it's painful. But uh, all that to say, uh, that, that, I think that whole thing, you know, that Donald Trump got caught in t- 11 years ago recording, he had a microphone that he f- forgot he had on, it was recording, and um, said some just really, you know, perverted stuff. And, uh, um, and it was all about lust and women, and uh, it's not going to help his, his plight, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Of course, things seem to kind of blow off, and, and everybody's like, whatever, you know. But, but the truth is, um, it, I still go back to when I think about our next president, I, I, I'm in such uh, concern for this nation just because of Proverbs 14, righteousness exalts a nation. But sin brings a nation very low or brings it down. And um, I'm worried about whoever gets elected. We, we have a righteousness issue, uh, and that, that's a problem for, for our country. Um, but that's kind of what we're going to be talking about next time is personal purity, and I think that's going to be a key. So that's your assignment for next time is bring a buddy. Uh, you can bring him from church or from, from somewhere else, wherever else you want, uh, from work or whatever. Bring somebody with you. It'd be great. Um, what I'm going to do today, though, is much more happy, much more fun topic, uh, and that is Devos. Uh, you're like the band from the 80s? No, uh, not Devo, Devos, uh, devotions, and that is um, uh, everything from your personal devotions to family devotions, and, and I, I think this is kind of an important thing. Um, because uh, many of you are going to deal with this uh, whether um, you have a family or not, you know, your personal devotion time. One of the things that we dealt with in previous issues, and if you missed our ironwork study uh, where we talked about, what was the name of that one? We, it was something about studying, and, and uh, we got into, you know, how to study the Scriptures and some of the uh, resources that we have. I forget what we called that one, but um, you can look it up, Ironworks Online, and we got into some of that. But, but then just your own personal devotions, and then usually as a, sometimes goes, a guy does his own devotions, and then he gets married, and suddenly there's a whole new deal. Your, your morning devotions change rad- radically. And uh, for some of you, they dropped off when you got married. Uh, for some of you, you tried once you got married and you did devotions, and it just felt weird, and your wife asked you Bible questions and you didn't know the answer, so you're like, uh, whatever, I'm not going to do this anymore. Uh, and so, so that, I, I know that that's been a challenge for guys. And then once you have kids, you know you kind of feel that guilt trip, like, I know I should be doing family devotions, but, um, but man, I fail at it and I struggle with it. Um, let, me, let me ask, how many guys are single? Raise your hand. Okay. 
How many of you guys, it's like almost all the singles, what are you guys doing? You're on the wrong side. All the single guys are over here. No, I'm just kidding. So the single guys are here, yeah. Uh, how many of you guys are um, newly married within the last, I'm going to say five years? Raise your hands. Wow, that's a pretty good crew. Uh, how many of you guys have been married for 10 years or more? Or more? 10 years or more? And I should say, what about uh, the, <laughs> I missed the group. You guys have been married less than 10 years. Raise your hand. Okay, good. That's helpful. How many of you guys <coughs> um, think family devotions is something you probably should do if you're a dad? Yeah, okay, everyone, that's good. Uh, how many of you guys find it to be a struggle? Yeah, everybody, that's good. Okay, that's what I thought, that's what I thought. And, and I like the honesty there. Some of you are like, not a struggle at all. Uh, I do it very sanctimoniously every day. Um, well, well, here's the thing, if you're doing it, great, great. I'd like to hear from you and what's working for you. Um, but whether it's your own personal devotions, uh, and, and for you single guys, by the way, I, I want to just uh, challenge you to take notes here because, because uh, should the Lord hook you up someday, uh, it's, this is one of the big challenges once you get married. And when, when you get in the, the Word with your wife, um, there's something huge that happens, and that is, um, let me ask, let me ask, let's see if you guys can answer this one biblically. Um, when you get into the Word with your wife, what does that accomplish in your marriage? Any, anybody? And I'm talking about a scripture. Bam, there it is. Washing by the water of the Word. It says Christ washes His church in the water of the Word. That's what, how husbands are supposed to love their wives. And so when a guy says, man, my marriage stinks, I like to ask, well, have you been washing it? Because uh, if, you, if you wear the same socks every day and you don't wash them, they're going to stink too just like your marriage. And, and the problem is guys don't realize there's a supernatural washing in your marriage when you get into the Word with your wife. So that's something that's important. Um, and personal devotion is kind of easier when it's just you as a single guy. I think it's easier because, um, man, you can set your own time. You're not trying to sync uh, it up. You know, you can do it whenever you want to, whenever you need to, however long or short you need to. There's no pressure uh, you know, it, it was kind of a funny thing. I'll tell you, when I, when I got married, I had this uh, picture in my mind that, well, I'll just transfer my personal devotions over into my marriage, and Debbie and I will get up every morning early, and we'll read the Word together, just like I did as a single guy. Boy, did I have a lot to learn. That didn't work at all. We had different times we'd get up, and we had different times we'd go to work, and it was hard to sync it up. And then I would just, I would just want to read the devotions like I normally did, but Debbie would want to talk about it, <laughs> like share uh, and stuff like that. I was like, I don't share in my devotions. I read. I read the Bible, and we don't share. We don't talk. But no, don't. And Debbie, I think, was kind of taken back. You know, she was fresh out of Bible school, so she, she even had some input. I don't want input, la, 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 la. It's like I didn't want to hear it, you know. And, and, and so it was actually a bit of a, a struggle for, for us at first. Uh, and then I realized um, something. In fact, Debbie and I even had the goal to go through the Bible in a year, our first year of marriage. <laughs> that lasted about a week in our marriage. Uh, now, I'm all for reading through the Bible in a year, and especially as a couple, and Debbie and I have done that in times past uh, since then. But uh, I would save that for a later time, maybe in your marriage. Uh, I would like to encourage you guys to start uh, simple and easy. If you're not reading the Word with your wife, man, take all the pressure off. In fact, that's kind of one of my main things about family devotions that I want to encourage you, uh, you guys, is, is to take some of the pressure off. I think we all agree that devotion time, personally, 
maritally, but also family. We all agree that, that it's important and, and good. But I think that, that you know, devotions are, are like a lot of things in our Christian walk, in our Christian life. You know, we have, we've made it bigger than it needs to be. We want it to be somehow uh, where angels sing and, and the dead are raised and the blind see during our family devotions. And when that doesn't happen, you feel disappointment. You feel like there's a failure that, you, that you've not measured up, that your kids are going to grow up, you know, totally tweaked because you didn't do family devotions properly. And there's this weird pressure. And I would like to just, the first thing I'd like to do in all the devotion stuff is take all the pressure off. Um, because devotion, the word devotion, it, it actually is a good word for it because you're devoting time really to the Lord. And it's, it's time to not just read the Word, that's part of it, but to pray, to worship, to spend time with Him, and, and communing with the Lord. That's what we're called to do. And, and it should be a get-to, not a got-to. Uh, it'd, it'd be just like if you um, just dutifully said hello to your wife every morning, and you prayed the same prayer, and you just kind of went through it because you had to do it. I think your wife would sense that. Uh, but if you're doing it because you love her and you want to spend a little time with her and just enjoy each other, then that, that's, that's the way to go. And I think that's what the Lord wants from us. So this whole dutiful, legalistic family devotion, you got to throw that out the window. Uh, in fact, I think it should be something that's more of a get-to rather than a got-to. And um, another thing I like to do is, is uh, remind that, that, that you can shorten and make it brief and not be long-winded or, or uh, long-studied. You could do that in your own time. That's the, that's the thing I learned, by the way, with Deb, is I realized my personal devotion needed to stay intact. I needed to still just have my own personal devotion time with the Lord, and so did Debbie. But then we realized that in our marriage, we needed to set aside time for us together to come together in the Word. And, and, and some of you have worked it all out to do it every day together. Others, it's like maybe once a week you get together with your wife and you read some Scripture and have kind of a spiritual time. But whatever it is, take all the pressure off. And, but the, the key is to come up with a good game plan that's going to work for you guys, you know, and that's, that's kind of an important thing. So personal devotion, it's, a, it's an important thing. I'd like you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And, um, and let's talk about uh, what the Scriptures say uh, concerning this. I love this Old Testament admonition um, given here by the Lord uh, dealing with our families and what have you. It's, it's here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. There in Deuteronomy 6, verse 3. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it might be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Is that kind of an important phrase, you think? Do we just kind of think, oh, there's another Old Testament scripture? No, this, this is a big one, isn't it? When you read this, you go, man, this is, this is a, uh, you know, a, a sentence that's got some gravity. And, and Jesus even referred to this, didn't he? Um, where he was talking about this, you know, how, what, what's the law talk about? And what are we called to do? Man, love the Lord your God with all our heart, heart, your soul, your might. And verse 6, it says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And verse 7. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. 
What, what are we called to do? We're to teach our children, and how do we do it? Man, as you go in life, when you're sitting down, standing up, when you're walking around, it's all just a big life lesson that we are called to teach our families and our kids. And that's kind of an important thing. And there's a lot that's really in that when you think about how we're to live, just to live uh, as sort of a, a reminder to our families of what godliness, godliness looks like. So the idea of family devotions, um, you know, when, when I think about it, I think it's really in a lot of ways like a miniature church in your own home. Uh, that's what was said, by the way, of Aquila and Priscilla. They had a church in their own house. And really, I would encourage you guys to think of your home as a church in your own house, even if you're a single guy or a married guy with just uh, you and your wife, or if you have a whole busload of children. Either way, anyway, it's a church in your own house. Uh, and, and to realize that God is there. And so what does the church do? Well, let's flip over to Acts chapter 2 real quick, uh, change gears from the Old Testament to the New and I love how simple the church calling is. This is one of our um, mainstays here at Athey Creek, Acts chapter 2, to tell us what we're supposed to do. Is it all about community? Is it all about being missional? Oh, those are good things. Is it all about, um, you know, fundraising? That's not such a good thing. Is it all about, uh, you know, uh, doing kids' camps and men's retreats? It's funny how churches can get off. Is it all about healing and the Holy Ghost? Whoa! Is it about that? What, what is church supposed to be really given to, remain steadfast in? It's told to us right here. It says here in Acts chapter 2, um, uh, let's say verse 41 is where we'll start. Acts 2, 41. It says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Man, this is the, in one day, 3,000 people were added to the church. And verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Man, I love this. What, what happened when the church started to grow, they said this is what they continued steadfastly in bark dusting the neighborhood schools. No, they didn't do that. Or feeding the people in, uh, under the Burnside Bridge. That wasn't what they committed, committed to steadfastly. Now, by the way, those are things that we do as a result of doing what the church is supposed to be about. I think if the church does this simple four-step deal that's in Acts 2.42, then we will have a heart to feed the poor and to be reaching out into our community and to be missional, and to have uh, various things that we do that are outside of that little uh, list. But, but to keep it focused, I love how simple it is. First, number one, the apostles' doctrine. That's just a fancy way of saying teaching the Word, sharing the Word, the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine is that word that is pretty much the, what, what the apostles were teaching. They continued steadfastly in the teaching of the Word. In your, the church in your own home, the Word should be priority, I think, uh, especially as family devotions. It's the Word, it's the Word, it's the Word. It's not your opinion or your feelings or what have you. It's the Word. That's going to make your, your home be built on a solid, sure foundation. Uh, that's important. Uh, but the second thing is, not only number one, apostles' doctrine, but then fellowship. Greek word, koinonia. 
Um, and that word fellowship is to, to uh, interact with one another, but not just like having fun together, that, that too, but, but interacting together around the Lord is kind of the idea, or, or keeping it godly. Uh, that's, that's important. Fellowship. And then breaking of bread. Now, that's two things, really. Having meals together is part of that, and they did that. In fact, the early church had what they called love feasts, and they ate meals together. But then they would also break bread in the act of communion. And that's something that I think that family devotions in your church and your own home should have is communion. Oh, but Brett, shouldn't I, shouldn't I be at the church uh, when I do communion? Isn't there kind of a law somewhere that says you can't do communion unless you're at the church and the priest puts the wafer on your tongue? And you, No, that's stuff that traditions of man have limited. <clears throat> but, but Jesus said, you know, do this as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. And what were they eating and drinking? They were eating at the Lord's table uh, at dinner. They were having supper. And Jesus encouraged them to take of the Lord's. And he said, do it often in remembrance of me. Um, So I believe communion is one of those beautiful ordinances that we can celebrate at church, but also should be and can be celebrated in your own home. I think that's an important one. Breaking of bread. Apostles' doctrine, teaching the word. Fellowship, rich fellowship around the Lord with each other and breaking of bread, communion. And then fourthly, finally, and in prayers, to just pray. Uh, Prayer should be part of your church in your own home. And that's kind of the deal as far as family devotions go. So with all that said, uh, we've got this idea of teaching our children. When you stand up, when you're sitting down, when you're walking around, to teach them and remind them and show them I love how in Acts chapter 20, when Paul's talking to the, the elders at the church in Ephesus, he says, we have both showed you and have taught you. Uh, twofold, showing and teaching, not just, not just teaching, uh, do as I say, not as I do. How many times have you seen parents do that? Uh, don't smoke cigarettes. Yeah, but mom, you smoke cigarettes. Yeah, but just do as I say, not as I do. Uh, that's not the way we teach. We show and teach our kids. So if your kids see you praying with your wife, If your kids see you reading your Bible or getting up early and having your own personal devotion time, then they will start to see the importance of that. Uh, It's important for us to be the man that uh, we want to see our sons be, be the Christian that we want want to see our daughters uh, grow up to be. Uh, There's something that a pastor told me years ago. He said, uh, um, your kids will only do as well as you're willing to do in your walk with the Lord. And I really found that to be true, uh, by and large. Every now and then I'll meet uh, a kid that says, uh, whatever, mom and dad, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be radical for the Lord. I'm gonna serve the Lord. I see that once in a while, but most of the time you see more of a digression. I think that's partially why our culture, our society, our world is in such trouble right now is because parents have not done the job to keep passing it on like Deuteronomy 6 gives us as an admonition to pass it on, to step it up, and to teach and train our kids. Well, be that as it may, uh, family devotions. Now, let me get exceedingly practical with you guys now, okay, as far as family devotions. Um, And I'd like to encourage you guys, if you're you're not doing it, to start it, and maybe take some notes here. I've got uh, a few things here, maybe five things or modes of family devotion I want to encourage you to do. and, uh, and you can pass this on, by the way, to your grandkids and, your, uh, and your, you know, your sons and daughters who are married. Encourage them in this. And maybe even when you go visit. You know, you know, this is something, by the way, my dad would do. 
When I'd bring my family and my kids were little down to grandma and grandpa's house, my dad would just bust out in a little family devotion. Uh, and it was just a really rich time. And I remember thinking, oh, this is great. My kids get to see Grandpa Todd sharing the word with them at an early age. So if you're a grandfather, be that grandpa. That's, that's really cool. And uh, your, your grandkids will love you uh, because you love the Lord. And they'll love to see that in you as a grandpa. Um, I, I love that. that my dad still, he, he doesn't do the family devotion thing, but he'll, he'll bring up a topic and we'll just start talking about the scriptures uh, whenever I get my family, even to this day, uh, around. It's, it's a godly conversation, a miniature family devo, if you would. So something to think about. So <clears throat> the first mode I want to talk about is old school family devos. That's number one, old school. And uh, uh, there's not, nothing bad or wrong with old school, Right? But I, I, will, I will tell you that, that there can be something bad with old school, but let's, let's talk about the good parts first. Old school, what does that mean? That's the guy who gets, just opens the Bible, makes his kids sit, sit down in front of him in a ruly fashion and just reads four chapters of the Bible. Old school family devotions. And there is a place for that. I think that can be a blessing because the word doesn't go out void. The kids are getting the scripture. The only pro- problem with just old school uh, is when you just get into the Word, that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But you also have a, a varying degree of attention spans with your kids, even with your wife. You've got to be ready to sort of be flexible. Some of your wives are good for 10 chapters in one sitting. Good for you guys. la ti But some of your wives are good for maybe 10 verses, uh, and that's all you got. And then she's like, there's things to do. I got, you know, kids, diapers to change, you know, and so there's, there's, there's different modes and reasons. One of the best things about being the pastor in your own home, by the way, and that's what you guys are at church in your own house. Who's the pastor? The dad, the father. The one of the things about being the pastor in your own home is to be discerning of who your congregation is and where they're at in their developmental uh, stage, what they can handle. So I've seen guys say, our family shall go through the Bible in one year. How old are your kids? Two, three, and four. Eh. Don't do that. You'll teach your kids that the Bible is boring. See, that's the problem. I've seen kids grow up thinking, oh man, the Bible. Have you ever heard somebody as an adult say the Bible is just boring, full of old stories that don't have any meaning and they're a bunch of ancient Usually that's the fruit of some dude that when he was a little kid heard some Bible story forced down his throat before he was able to really understand it in a way that was uh, fitting or right. We need to be sensitive to who we're talking with and what age they are and their attention span, how long they've been saved. There's so many variables, and I'll I'll get into that even a little bit as we go, but there's nothing wrong with old school family devotions. I'm not knocking that. But um, just getting into the Word, reading the Scriptures, there's some good things to that. But I would just say don't go crazy with that one the old school, and don't go crazy with that. Like I said, if you've got three-year-olds, you're probably not going to read through several chapters of the Bible, um, unless your three-year-old is genius. Um, make sure it's age-appropriate, you know, and there's, there's different capacities and levels. Um, now, by the way, um, I love how um, we, we, can, we can take what we learn and pare it down for different age groups. It's kind of funny because as a senior pastor of a church that I've been here for 20 years doing this, it's really not that different than what I was doing before. You see, before I was teaching a bunch of uh, grade schoolers and high schoolers and uh, college-age kids, but <clears throat> really, you know, teaching the grade school kids, we had a big, huge congregation of uh, first grade through the sixth grade, broad group, by the way. 
But I would go up there and I wouldn't teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible like I do on a Wednesday night here. <clears throat> but when I had those, you know, 500 or whatever kids sitting in the sanctuary and I was teaching them, uh, usually it was, it was, you know, bringing it at a level where they could really accept it and receive it. And it was full of stories and, and fun stuff. And, and uh, you say, well, Brett, shouldn't you just give them the word? There's some guys that kind of have that, it's only the Bible that matters. Um, I've heard people say, Brett, you shouldn't tell jokes uh, during services, or you shouldn't use stories. But see, the stories and the illustrations help, especially in a culture that our attention span has shrunk to just seconds now. Uh, it used to be where a person could sit for hours and listen to, you know, there's still cultures today, the Africans, when I go teach in Africa, I'm amazed guys can sit for five hours and, and listen to teachings. And, and if you end in two hours, they think you've gypped them somehow. Like, what, what are you doing, man? We just got started. Uh, and, but, but they're not all uh, uh, tweaked out in their brain because of, you know, commercials and fast-paced media and uh, Madison Avenue and all that stuff that's influenced our, our thinking and our brains. Um, they're, they're still kind of out in the bush, and they've got an attention span that's still in place. But, but with your family, with your devotions, and, and, and even if you're the lone single guy, don't take off more than you can chew. Um, I, I think it's okay. Take the pressure off. Who says you have to read 10 chapters in one day? You know what? I think somebody could make a, a, a good, good uh, product. You know how they have through the Bible in a year? <clears throat> I think it's great. I've done it. But it is, if you've done it, it is a bit of a chore. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I'll say it honestly. It's a chore. There's a lot of scriptures you have to read every day, and it takes some time. I think somebody should make a through the Bible in three years. That'd be great because it just make it a little shorter and doable for guys who have shorter attention span and are just still trying to figure out the English language, like a lot of us. I think through the Bible in three years, that, that, that would be doable. And, and some of you might just want to think about that. Maybe I should slow down and, and so I can absorb a little more. Uh, take all that pressure off. I think that's kind of important, but especially as it relates to your family and your wife as you go into to family devos. So be careful about this one. Now, um, by the way, um, uh, one of the things that you can do is to uh, not just read the Bible, but it's okay to, um, to speak the Bible to your kids. Question, how many people um, during the time of, say, like Joshua and Moses, how many people do you think could read? It was a tiny, tiny, tiny. One of the reasons Moses is the legitimate author of the Pentateuch, the first five books, is he was raised in Egypt. He, he was an educated dude. And, but most of the children of Israel did not have the skill of reading. So how did they hear the Word of God? It was through oral tradition. Their parents would do exactly what Deuteronomy 6 says. They would teach them and tell them the stories and rehearse them in the kids' ears. And, and somehow I think we've diminished that as we didn't really get into the Word because we're not reading uh, the words on paper. But, but I'll tell you, some of the most powerful things I've ever heard were, one of the things, if you've ever listened to old Chuck Smith, who went to heaven a few years ago, now he's with the Lord. But one of the things I loved to Chuck about so much is he was a guy who, who knew the Bible so well. He would just sit in the pulpit and he'd start talking like this. And he said, and so D Samson went down to Timnath and, and he starts telling the story of Samson. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the story and I'm just totally listening because he's just telling it. But here's the thing that I've discovered about Chuck. 
is he was telling it, but he had the whole thing pretty much memorized. Like he was telling the story, but if I opened my Bible, and he was, he was just looking out, telling this in kind of a grandfatherly type story, but he was actually almost word for word reading from the book of Daniel. It's, it's because he knew the word so well, he was able just to tell the story in the same way. I loved that. Now, now, you may not be able to tell it word for word, but a lot of you guys know those stories, and you can tell them to your kids in a way that they can really receive them. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, that's, well, Brett, what if I don't know the stories of the Bible? Uh, I want to give my kids the word, and you're saying, don't just read Scripture. You want me to tell the story, but I don't really know the stories that well. Well, there's all kinds of things you can do about that. One is in your own personal devotion, read the story. If you're going to pull off a family devotions on Thursday night, maybe it'd be good for you to read the, the Scripture in the morning in your own personal devotion and, and really get it down so that you can tell it in your own words to your kids that night or whenever your family devotion time works out. Um, that's a good thing. Well, Brett, I, I read Scripture, but I don't know what to say. Oh, man, this is where, uh, you know, 2 Timothy chapter 2, jot this one down. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Just remember, 2, 2, 2. 2 Timothy 2, 2. Uh, it says this, and the things, this is Paul talking to young Timothy, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. What is Paul telling Timothy? The, the stuff you've heard me teach, that's what I want you to teach others. In other words, you can plagiarize. That's what he's saying. Speak the same things you hear me teach. That's what I want you to teach, Timothy. And, and that's one of the things I love about uh, the Bible and Bible teaching is, man, you can plagiarize. I, I hope that uh, on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning that I have stuff that is worth plagiarizing. I hope that when you go home uh, from a Sunday or Wednesday, you can say, man, I'm going to share that with my kids. That was good enough to, to pass on to my kiddos. Um, now, there's all kinds of tools uh, that you can do. Like, uh, I, I, I used to do this myself with Bible teaching, but now it's so simple. Um, let's say, um, well, I'll, I'll do this in a second. Just a second. We'll move, move on. Old school family devotions. Be careful with that one. You can do it, but I wouldn't make that every time and just reading the Scriptures. Uh, I'm not diminishing what the Word of God can do, but there's many ways to communicate the Word orally, just telling the stories. You don't have to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter with your three-year-olds. That's not encouraged. I wouldn't encourage you to do that. Give them the high points. You know, if you teach your kids to love the Bible and love the stories, then when they're old enough to be cognizant of what's going on in the Levitical law, they'll love that too. But if you read the Levitical law when they're three and four, they're going to be going, oh, please, let us play with our toys again and get us away from this Bible. Uh, don't, don't teach your kids th th that way. I think that's an important thing. Uh, so, old school family devotions, good, but be careful. Um, by the way, I, I love this quote. This is something that I try to remember myself. I'm not so good at it, but um, the quote goes like this. If you haven't hit oil in 20 minutes, stop boring. When you're teaching and sharing in your family devotions, you're, if you haven't hit oil in 20 minutes, stop boring. <laughs> you're boring your kids to death, uh, and you think you're telling… It's funny how profound you sound in your own head and ears, but your kids are like… You know what I mean? So be careful about that. Uh, it's funny how great we think we are, but it's not, not the case. Um, okay, uh, number two, 
This is going to kind of, I'm, I know I'm kind of wandering around, but old school family devos, number one. Number two, newly married family devos. Newly married. If you're newly married, or maybe you're oldly married and you're still struggling reading the word with your wife, there's a few pointers I want to do, and that is number one, again, take the pressure off. But also um, do something that's doable. Read the scriptures in a doable way. Don't put, uh, you know, 20 chapters in front of you. Um, do your own personal devotion. If you, if you just eat up the Word and you love to read tons of Scripture, do that in your own personal devotions. But make sure that your, your time in the Word with your wife is meaningful. Uh, that's important. And, and it doesn't have to be long to be meaningful. Um, in fact, there's very, various things you can do. You, you, could, you could prepare a time in the Word to share with your wife. Uh, almost as if I prepare a sermon on a Sunday morning, you could prepare now, I've got to be careful on this one, because if you give a sermon to your wife, she'll think you're a total jerk. Debbie, turn in your Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 34 as we go through the Bible. I don't do that with Debbie. Debbie would probably smack me anyway if I did that. Knock it off, right? You're not an anything great. No, she wouldn't do that. I'm just kidding. Um, but, 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 but she would probably go, oh, man, that's not really good time as a husband and a wife in the Word. But it's okay to do some preparation if you want. But just take the pressure off. Maybe you're saying, Brett, that's way past my skill of, of preparing a sermon. In fact, reading a chapter of the Bible is, is difficult for, for us as a couple. And I would still say, man, chill out. Start maybe in the Gospel of John and just go through one chapter and, and don't have any pressure to understand everything in the Gospel of John when you're reading, but just read the Word with your wife. Uh, that's a good thing to do. You can't just read the Scriptures with her. Um, there's other things I've encouraged guys, because there's people that say, Brett, even that's challenging, because it raises questions, and we don't know really what to do. And, um, you know, there's, there's um, many things you can do. I've got a, a, a fun devotional that, uh, on my iPhone here uh, in my books, and uh, it's called Daily Light. Uh, it's an old book. I've actually got the hard copy at home, and I've used it for years. But something about the, the, the digital copy is just always easy and accessible. It's called Daily Light. And every day of the, of the year, there's a morning and an evening. And it's kind of, it's been fun. Deb and I have actually employed that from time to time when we're in a hurry or if we're kind of running late and we know, man, we should get in the Word, but we didn't really carve out the right time. You can read through one morning thing in like three minutes. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's really rich. They, they put a, a compilation of scriptures together sort of topically in each day. And it's just a cool devotional, daily light. I love it. Uh, and and it's, it's always encouraging. And, um, and that's something that's super simple, but you're getting in the Word with your wife. I'd say, man, if you're doing nothing, minimally do something like that. That's super easy. Um, but then hopefully you'll graduate onto where you can get in the Word together and share the Scriptures together and wash your, your marriage in the water of the Word. Um, do you have to do it every day? Some people might say yes. I'm not going to say you have to do it every day. I think you should be in the Word every day. Uh, I think your wife would be blessed if she's in the Word every day. But can you pull that off every day? Some couples just, I don't think it's as possible as others. Um, and, uh, but I would definitely say you need to get in the Word often. Uh, not to be legalistic about it, but um, Deb and I, we got so busy and crazy for a while there. We made Thursday nights our, we called it jokingly, kind of our spiritual night 
where Deb and I would just get together when we were first married, and we just spend some substantial time in the Word and in prayer together on Thursday nights. And we didn't book anything on Thursday nights. We didn't plan to go out with people on Thursday nights. And and if something did come up, we'd transfer it over to another night to make sure and not miss it, because we really valued getting in the Word together. And that was just once a week uh, or, or, or more, but minimally we'd get once a week. Take all the pressure off, but if you're not doing anything in the Word with your wife, don't be shocked if your marriage stinks, because the Bible says you wash your marriage in the water of the Word. So don't, another thing about this, by the way, is when I'm preaching up here, I'm the pastor, and my pastoral role is to uh, preach and teach, but also watch and warn the the congregation so I can get a little prickly up here, and people kind of expect that from the, the pastor. I can say things that are kind of brutal sometimes. But can I just give you this word? Don't be that pastor to your wife. Um, the Lord is, you know, he's, he's the good shepherd. And, and he says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He's a shepherd, not a sheepdog, barking at his wife's heels. He's the good shepherd. And uh, make sure that when you share with your wife, you're not telling her what to do and, and being an overlording, uh, sort of uh, burdening sort of jerk. Don't do that. Be, be loving, compassionate, kind-hearted, um, compassionate. That's, that's our key there, okay? Are you guys with me on that? Uh, those of you that tried the other thing, does it work very well? No, it doesn't. No, so don't do that. Be, be, be careful about that one. Um, okay, num- number three mode of family devotion. So, so far we've got the old school, just getting into the Word. Uh, you got the number two, newly married family devotions, uh, just you and your wife. But then, then when the little whippersnappers start coming into the scene, the family devotions change, and they should change pretty radically because you got babies. Um, do you do family devotions with babies? Yes. I think that's something you should start right out of the womb. In fact, before they're even out of the womb. I believe in prenatal influence. Uh, you know, it's funny. I think that babies start to recognize their dad's voice even while they're in the womb. Uh, you know, so there you guys are, you know, maybe, you know, as you're just getting ready for bed, there you are, you, you can talk with each other and share the word and the Lord with each other. And I think there's just something rich and spiritual about that. By the way, uh, when, when Deb and I were first pregnant, uh, we, we were told to, uh, by our doctor, he said, hey, you know, Debbie was out to here and said, you know, you can interact with your baby. He said, take a flashlight and just put it up against, you know, mom's tummy and then sort of move the flashlight around. And he said, you'll be shocked. And sure enough, we, we, we did it, and, and uh, man, I remember a uh, little Brookie uh, was there in the womb, and we'd move the flashlight, and you could feel her little hand pushing against the light, and, and like it was interactive. We were just like, what? It was, it was crazy, uh, but it was kind of fun, kind of fun. And uh, in the same way, I think we can shine the light of Christ even before they're out of the womb. Just ask Jay the bee. John the Baptist, who when he heard of Christ coming, he leapt in his mother's womb. I believe in prenatal influence, prayer, dad's voice, scripture, and the word. Right there. Same thing with the baby. The baby can be laying in its crib, and you guys could pray together and share the word. I just like bringing the Lord in early. And then when they get to that little older, where there's cognitive learning, where you can actually teach, man, start, start early. I love the families that teach about, you know, Jesus and, and, and just how he can be in your heart. And little kids are like, where's Jesus? In my heart. Man, that's t- tiny little kids can get that. You know what's funny? My sister Jenny, uh, you'd have to know her to really fully comprehend this, but she was legitimately saved. I'm not kidding, at two years old. 
Uh, my parents uh, were just blown away at how she could articulate very clearly the gospel message when she was two and a half. And she got saved when she was two and a half. And I, I remember hearing that thinking, well, whatever, you know, it took me till I was five. It took me twice as long uh, to be saved. But, um, but you know, I, I didn't even hardly believe that until one time uh, there, there's actually a family that I met, uh, Dave Lane. Uh, he was this hippie dude that was total, total lost hippie dude that lived in Southern Oregon, had hair down to his waist, just total, you know, 70s hippie. And, um, but his little daughter was take, taken to church by some neighbors. And the little daughter was a preschooler at two and a half years old. Well, the daughter, she accepted the Lord at church, came back home, and at two and a half, shared the gospel with Dave Lane and his wife. At two and a half, told him what the gospel was. In, in her little two-and-a-half-year-old voice, and they burst into tears and knew they needed to be saved, and they were led to Christ by their two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. True story. And then he became a pastor. <laughs> it's an amazing story. Dave Lane is one of my favorite guys, man. He's just a guy that shines Jesus. But, but all that to say, uh, it, it's amazing how much your little kids, I think dads wait too long. Oh, I'll start doing family devotions when they are old enough, like, you know, to, to have a mind uh, to talk. So, like, when they're 18, we'll start family devotions big goof, dad. You're going to regret that. And by the way, that's one of the biggest things about family devotions I hear from older men is regret. That's the big one. Man, I regret. I even have to say, <clears throat> I regret. Even though we did family devotions often, I regret not doing it more. It, was, it, it really was while my kids were living in the house, <clears throat> it was my favorite thing to do more than teaching Sundays or Wednesdays or ministry of any kind. Being able to have my family together, getting in the Word, singing songs and doing family devos, man, I wished I would have done it more. Um, and uh, even Billy Graham, if you hear him, they asked him years ago, what was your biggest regret? Or if you could do something over again. He said, man, I would have spent way more time with my kids and getting in the Word with them, you know, just, just being uh, with my family. And he was a busy guy doing evangelism. Uh, but that's his number one regret in his life. Kind of interesting. Well, all that to say, um, once the little whippersnappers come, you got to change the family devotions. And this is where I want to encourage you guys on a real practical level. This is where, how many of you guys have like preschoolers in your house right now? Raise your hands. Okay, so all you guys. Man, be creative. Be creative. Um, <clears throat> or if you have uh, grandkids that are of preschool age, be creative. I, man, I think there's nothing cooler than a grandpa taking the kids out to the garage and doing something in the garage as sort of an object lesson. Or dad, you know, maybe you guys are into power tools and stuff. So, so um, I used to do this kind of stuff with my, my kids. You know, you'd go out and, <clears throat> you know, you could, if you got a, a few tools that you can use. You know, I remember one time cutting out just a little block of wood. And, uh, and then uh, you could cut out a shape, whatever you want to do. And maybe you're going to do a lesson on, on the heart, your heart. And uh, you're like, I remember Pastor Brett talking about how important the heart is as a Christian. So, all right, here we go. And so, <clears throat> so like, you know, get some rough sawn wood and just give each of your kids a piece of rough sawn wood. And then you can take them and show them how you, could, you can cut, with, maybe you got a bandsaw, you know, and you can just cut, uh, cut these little hearts out of the rough sawn wood. And then, and then you got a belt sander or whatever you got, and you start smoothing it out. And see how hard and rough this heart is? We need to stop this down. Then you take them out in the garage, and you're talking over the line, line, as it going? You know, the sawdust is flying. The kids are there looking at you do this thing. And just quickly kind of work through. And then you give them all sandpaper. 
And you start with, you know, the, the 80 grid or whatever. Uh, and, uh, and you give them the hearts and for the next week, you tell them, start working on that heart. Let's get that thing smoothed out. And the kids start sanding and, and they have to do it out in the garage, not in their bedroom. Uh, <clears throat> I had to t- tell that to Joey. But, um, uh, you know, they start sanding away. And who could have the smoothest heart by next week? And the ki- it was fun. You know, the kids would sand them by the end. Man, they had this, it was once a rough sawn piece of wood. Now it's a smooth heart. And it feels nice to the touch. And, and, uh, and you know, then we'd, you know, finish the heart, you know, or whatever with some kind of finish. Or, and, and, and here's the thing. You could say, um, make a whole week lesson about that. Well, um, that's great, Brett, but what am I supposed to tell them about the heart? Okay, let me give you a, this is a freebie for you. How many of you guys listen to Athey Creek teachings online once in a while? Oh, wow, that's good. It's good to hear. Uh, how many of you guys listen to my pastor, Pastor John Corson, online once in a while? Fewer still, but you guys should take advantage of that. It's some great Bible teaching. And there's tons of others, you know, Matt Chandler and others. There's some great teachers online. But let me just show you, like, how, how easy it is. Okay, let's say you know you're doing, you're going to be doing work uh, with a heart on your, with your family. And so you're like, okay, what do I do? So, so if you got a, a, a phone or on, go online, you just go to Athey Creek's website. And this is really cool. A lot of people don't know it, but at the very top, there's a faint little word there that says search. Okay, so you just click the search and then just type in heart, H-E-A, no, not S, A-R-T. There it is. And you search. Now, here's the cool thing, because you remember, Pastor Brett's done stuff on the heart, and I just don't really remember any of that. So then you look at, and, and let's see, there's 45 search results for heart. Okay, the first one, the heart, I can fix that. That's August 12th, 2012. The great heart surgeon. I did a sermon on it from 1 Samuel 10 just a few weeks ago. Um, the humility of the heart, Psalm 131, 2005. Let not your heart be troubled, John 14. These are all sermon titles. That, and so you say, okay, 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 okay. The great heart surgeon. Click on that. And then see what's so cool is when you're driving to work, it takes you seconds you, before you start the engine. You just, you know, just grab that and then you just, and then you just click it. Uh, you know, now, now what's so cool about this as most of you, if you have the Bluetooth or whatever, it, it's so simple just to get it rolling. And pretty soon, you've, you know, you've got it going. Now, now here's the thing uh, about that. Um, it's amazing what you can do between home and work and work and home. Just listen into some teaching uh, and just driving down the road. And when you're stuck in traffic or whatever, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a cool thing. I got to turn the volume up here. See if I'm on. <laughs> there it is. That's Phil, man. Phil, do you guys know anybody met, met Phil yet? That's that's his. He's got the silky smooth voice. He's a biker. It's really so funny. He's like, "Welcome to Athey Creek Christian Fellowship." But he's like, you'd, you'd think he'd kill you if you saw him on the highway. But uh, great dude. Uh, anyway, you can listen to that teaching, and usually, maybe depend on where you work, maybe uh, one or two days there and back from work, so you, you kind of refresh your memory on some scriptures and stuff about what God wants to do with your heart. And remember, we talked about how the Lord wants to change your, your stony, hard heart into a stone, heart of flesh and make it soft. And remember, we talked about all that stuff. That, you'll be reminded about that stuff. So while you're there sanding away on the heart with the kids, you can say, kids, you know, here, here's what the Bible says about your heart. We, we, we can have a really hard heart. And, and man, it's just a real simple little lesson. You're stealing from me, which is awesome because I stole from somebody else. And there's nothing new under the sun. I hope you know that. Uh, and, and, and when it comes to scriptures, man, and teaching, do like Paul, 2, 2, 2. 2 Timothy 2, 2. Uh, it just basically says, 
Um, the things you've heard me teach, that's what I want you guys to teach. And that's what I've done over the years too. Do you see what I'm saying? You put together ideas about how to do family devotions, especially with your little kids, man. Uh, you've, I've told you about the walls of Jericho. I got the kids' blocks out and put them up, in the, and the kids built the walls of Jericho. We built Rahab's house, and they marched around in the living room, and, 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 and then we knocked all the walls down except for Rahab's house. We left that one and had a little scarlet cord coming out the little window there, and we did the whole story and reenacted it. Now, by the way, just don't be stupid, dads. If your kids are 16, 17, don't march around the blocks uh, and, and do that. The kids will think that's kind of lame. Uh, uh, age appropriate, try to be as age appropriate as you can. Um, you say, Brad, I don't know about all this uh, using illustration stuff. Well, Jesus did that, didn't he? In fact, uh, I remember around of Matthew chapter 6, it says, Jesus said this, look at the birds of the air. Uh, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. See how the lilies of the fields grow. They do not labor nor spin. Jesus used examples of things around him and stuff in nature uh, he used. I remember uh, when I'd take Joey out uh, with dirt bikes, we'd ride up into the mountains in southern Oregon. And then we'd, you know, lean the bikes up against a tree and sit on a log and just talk about stuff. And it was a great thing. There's something cool about dad being with you, dirt bikes, the smell of two-stroke oil. Ah, just a wonderful time for a father and a son. And, uh, and that's what we did. And it was, it was, those were some of our best times as a father and a son, being able to do that. So just being creative in your family devotions. Don't feel like you have to just read through Scripture, but you can speak it through. Are you guys with me on that? How many of you grandpas do that with your, uh, your grandkids? Have anybody done that? No? A few of you? Good, man. I hope you, I hope you older gentlemen uh, take advantage of being a grandpa uh, and use, because uh, you got a little more time, some of you, especially if you're retired, use some of that retire time to, uh, to prepare some really cool stuff for your grandkids or, or even great-grandchildren. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Well, um, that's the creative, that's what I'm calling number three, creative family devotions. I hope we're good at that. Um, that's important. By the way, uh, when I asked, remember last year, I asked if we had any ideas, you could send them in and, and we'd make a booklet of all the ideas. Do you want to know how many we got? Three, is that right? Zero. Zip, zilch, nada. <laughs> so you're up on your own on that one. I thought maybe we could pool together some great ideas, but, uh, but hopefully we can, uh, we can do that. Number four on the list of things you can do, uh, and this is good for single, married, children, teenagers, whatever, all of the above, spontaneous family devotions. And yes, they count. Because a lot of times, you, you, you and I, we measure whether or not we're successful in family devotions on a lot of times whether we've just done them or not. Have I done, when was the last time you did, uh, six months ago, or last month, or it's been over a week, or whatever, whatever makes you feel guilty, because as a dad, you've dropped the ball, and you feel like a failure in family devotions. Well, I, I want to give you some things that'll help alleviate that problem, because I think we're too hard on ourselves a lot of times, and when you feel bad about it, then you almost don't want to do it at all, because then, then your, your kids know you haven't done it, your wife knows you haven't done it, and then just the fact that you want to do it, they're going to be thinking, what a weirdo, he, he, he hasn't done it for six months, he thinks he can just start up family devotions now. It's funny how our guilt trip pushes us away from what we should be doing anyway. Do you, do you guys know what I'm talking about there? It's kind of a weird uh, human condition. But one of the things I, I like to, to remind my wife, Deb, is, hey, you know, um, we've actually done family devotions like almost every day. And she's like, we have? I thought we only did it last Friday. I said, nope, 
Do you remember? We did some, and this is number, number four, spontaneous family devotions. That is unexpected uh, opportunities to share the Word with your family. Um, and those were some of the best ones we did, I think. Um, and it wasn't an official family devotion time, but we were able to work in the Word and the Lord, uh, and it became really a rich time for us. And this happened all the way through from um, Deb and I first being married all the way to the very present day. We have spontaneous family devotions that just burst out. Um, uh, spontaneous combustion. Have you ever seen that? It's quite a deal. I remember when we were bucking hay once, um, I threw a bale up on the truck and it just burst into flames. Uh, it had to do with the heat and the moisture and all that, and, and it kind of freaked us all out because uh, hay bale that was on fire that I just threw on a truck, that was a little scary because all the other hay started to catch on fire. But anyway, we got the fire out, but I thought that's what family devotion should be, just kind of unexpected burst of light where the Lord just kind of uses any given moment. So what does that look like? Man, it can look like any number of things. I loved the dinner table for these spontaneous times. Um, we'd be sitting around the dinner table, and I would just ask a, 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 a potent question, or a pregnant question is what uh, I often thought of it. Something that actually made you have to say something that's not just a one-word answer. Because you know your teenagers, they're good at the one-word. How are you doing today? Fine. And that's their conversation you had there. Happy time. No, you got to ask the right question for teenagers. You have to say, what was the hardest thing you had to do today? And, um, and, uh, and then you say, but it can't be a subject in math or science or anything like that. What is the hardest thing you had to do today? And, and tell me about it. Tell us about it, why it was hard and stuff. And so we'd go around the tables, we're eating our dinner, and they just tell us the hardest thing. And then Joey would say, well, my hardest thing was when after school I was coming home and the next door neighbor, John, threatened to whack me over the head with a shovel. That's actually a true thing that happened uh, at one of our family devotion times, spontaneous ones. And I said, well, Joey, let's talk about that. And girls, what do you think, Brooke, Joey, Casey, Deb, what do you think? What's the best way to respond to the neighbor boy wanting to whack you over the head with a shovel? Should you go get a shovel and whack him back? Uh, what do you do? And, 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 you know, it's funny because you can talk about what, you know, and it's so funny, everybody kind of has their own idea. Well, you should go and get dad. Or you should go tell mom or run for your life, or um, drop your knees and pray, or what, what is it? But it's funny how you can have a, a really legitimate con conversation about what we're supposed to do with our enemies and people that threaten us and things we're supposed to be afraid of. There's something really cool about a spontaneous moment of talking, but here's where dads, you got to kind of work at this, is to be ready to, to share some scripture with, with the kids. You know, and, and maybe you have to look it up on your phone real quick uh, and Google, you know, uh, enemies, uh, what to do with your enemies in the Bible, or, you know, uh, where does it say this or that? And, and, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, lean on your wife, even tell your wife, you know, when I, we have these spontaneous conversations, don't be afraid to jump in with Scripture and let, let mom bring in some good stuff too. I remember uh, sometimes I just uh, uh, hear about something that happened in politics um, so like, for example, when my kids got to be teenage years and we could talk about just about anything, um, this whole thing with Donald Trump and what it was exposed yesterday and how horrifyingly obscene it was, um, that was a great, that, that, that kind of thing, that'd be a great, I, I remember um, even having the, the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky discussion with my kids around the dinner table. 
they were too young for that, but it was in everybody's face when that, hall, that went down. And so I had to address it as, as a family. Now, some of you guys are like, man, I don't want to talk about Monica Linsky and Bill Clinton with my kids. But see, I saw that as a teaching opportunity and a chance to do a family devotion and talk about um, what happened there and what marriage is supposed to look like and what unfaithfulness in marriage does to a person. And, and we were able just to get into some hard topics. You know, it's funny because a lot of dads are freaked out about the birds and the bees conversation. Oh, when do I have to talk about how things work? Uh, that's a tough one. Um, and, um, and you know, in our family, it, it, it's funny how it kind of raised its ugly head earlier than Deb and I really wanted to in a lot of ways because of things like that, stuff that boys did at school and things that people talked about at school and stuff. And it forced our hand to have to deal with those issues at, at, at a fairly early time. And we dealt with it as a family devotion. Um, so, you know, the, the idea of just spontaneous, maybe you're on a trip and you're driving down the road and you just spark a conversation because something you see. I, I think you got to count those, count them as family devo time. And don't beat yourself up if that's, if that's all you're able to squeeze in from time to time to get just time where you're talking about the Lord, talking about the Word, uh, and, and uh, that's kind of an important thing. Um, so, are you guys with me still? Okay, so you got uh, number one, old school family devos. Number two, newly married uh, family devos. Number three, creative family devos. And, and by the way, man, there's just, it, it, you know, just think about what are your gift sets. I like to draw cartoons. Um, so I would get our little chalkboard uh, or grease board, depending on what era it was, and I'd draw pictures of the stories I was telling. Now, I got to practice that when I was a children's pastor, so that's just kind of what I did. If you've got a, a, a skill or a gift, use whatever skill or gift you have. Um, so that's kind of a key. Uh, number uh, five, this is another one, covert family devotions. Covert family devotions? Yeah, secret ops. Because some of you, this is something that's been harder for me to come up with for some of you guys. Some guys have said, Brett, here's my situation. And let me just give you a few scenarios. A guy gets married to a woman who's uh, got kids already, and her kids are in junior high, and now he's the leader, the spiritual lead of the family. Those kids have never once had a family devo in their life, and a junior hire is immediately wired to say, family devotions are lame, and you are lame, and I don't want to hear you. Get out of my face. See, my kids never did that because they knew there'd be pain and suffering involved if that was the attitude they had. But I, I really have to admit, it's tough if you're a dad uh, and these kids were not raised with that same discipline or whatever. It really is a tough deal. But that's where the covert family devotions do come in. And you can just, you can just look for opportunities to interject scripture and wisdom into their lives and just do it without saying, announcing, we are now going to do family devotions and all sit around the table and do that. Now, if you can pull that off, great. But if not, don't be discouraged. Uh, just keep looking for areas to sneak in conversation about the Lord, about his word. Man, I believe all that scripture, never it never goes um, out void. Uh, and so, you know, doing Devo time in a covert way. Uh, um, you know, by the way, it's not just, you know, if you're just married, maybe you just got saved yourself. And that's another one I see. This guy gets saved here at Athey and he says, Brett, you know, this family Devo thing, I never even heard of it. And now my kids are in high school. What do we do? And that is where you look for opportunities just to share the word with your kids in sort of a natural kind of way and don't have to formalize it as much 
um, uh, or what have you. By the way, um, covert family devotions can look like other things too, like for example, uh, reading a story, a book. Um, my, my parents did this. <laughs> I think that uh, one of the things that I, uh, we did is we went through Chronicles of Narnia um, with uh, my kids when they were uh, little. And also like my, my dad, I remember when he read The Cross and the Switchblade. Um, great story, Nikki Cruz, David Wilkerson, and uh, the gangs of New York and the Mau Maus and this guy, true story. Uh, and I remember as a kid just being totally glued to the story. And my dad at dinner time, after dinner, we'd put our forks and plates down and everything. We just kind of, and he'd read, you know, a chapter of the cross or God's smuggler, Brother Andrew, the story of him smuggling Bibles into China or not China, behind the Iron Curtain, and other missionary stories of China and other stuff like that. I remember Prison to Praise, and um, man, just tons of good books and stories that my dad would just read, and they, they counted as family devotions. Well, Brett, how can the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe be counted as family devotions? Easy. Uh, my kids were little when I did that, and, and I asked them, okay, your assignment, I'm gonna read the story, your assignment is to tell me what the allegory is. That is, what is like this story that is like the Bible and like the gospel, Jesus and us and sin and being saved from our sins? And man, my kids got every, more than I even saw. They, they got more than I recognized. Uh, as an adult, my kids uh, would say, well, dad, we see this. I'm like, wow, I can't believe you got that. That's amazing. But it was so cool for my kids to be able to articulate the gospel just as I was reading a story. You know, that's pretty cool. That's a covert family devotion. You're getting the word in by talking about scripture. Um, covert ops, it's okay. You can do that. Um, but be that as it may, uh, sneaking in any time you can sneak in scripture, I would look for that. Now, a couple other things about family devos is um, if you can bring in praise and worship, do it. I think every guy should at least try to learn maybe the guitar. It's not as hard as you might think. Um, my dad plays the guitar. He, 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 he doesn't have rhythm, but he taught me most of the chords I know and I used even this morning. My dad taught me those chords on a guitar when I was a little kid. And he'd, he'd get out the guitar and, uh, and just, you know, croak out a song as best he knew how. And, you know, as kids, we didn't care. We were just having fun as a family. Um, I, I think that you dad, especially if you're a, a, a young dad with really young kids, man, your kids will be super forgiving. Uh, it's so much fun because they, they love you. Even if you sound horrible, they still think you're a rock star. Uh, um, now, if you just try to learn the guitar and stand in front of the congregation, we'll be going, that's horrible. Put that thing down, buddy. Don't quit your daytime job. Your kids, they'll be loving, loving the fact that you are singing some songs with them. If you don't know some good kids' songs, uh, talk to, to Brian or James and say, man, what are some of the kids' songs you do at church? You don't even have to play the guitar for those. You can sing Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons had Father Abraham, or Pharaoh, Pharaoh, uh, or, or Jesus loves me. The, the simple little songs. Bring, bring worship into your family devos. Um, you know, and, and then also prayer. Don't forget to make prayer. And let your kids pray. Let your wife pray. Uh, and, and uh, you know, there were times where we did communion at Family Devotions because our family was not doing so well. You know, we, we'd have a little tension, there'd be arguing and bickering, and we'd, we'd all be kind of at odds a little bit. It's amazing how little Family Devo, getting in the Word, spending some time in prayer, and even going to the Lord's table together and just confessing our sins one to another. 
and saying, I'm sorry for what I did to you and sorry for what I did to you and let's all start over because it's the blood of Jesus that washes us clean and we can start new. Like teaching the kids how to have a Christian walk and a Christian life. Acts 2.42, apostles doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. That's what a family devo can really look like. So of all those points, you need to take all the pressure off. Don't feel guilty, don't put a trip on yourself. But I would say just start somewhere, sneak them in whenever you can. And, and then hopefully the goal is to get to where you semi-regularly are able to crank out some, some really cool times with your family, with your wife, with your kids, getting in the Word. Does that make sense? Uh, what are some of the challenges you guys face? I'm gonna ask uh, some of you, I know it's, uh, we got a little time before we're gonna call it a day, but what are some of the challenges you guys face? And let's talk about them. What, what's the hardest thing for family devotions or, or things you face? What are you gonna say, Greg? Consistency, that's a hard one. And, and it's hard not to be uh, legalistic by saying, okay, so every Thursday night, because that, that's a hard thing to do. Deb and I were able to pull that off for a while as a, as a couple. But then, man, one, I think the hardest thing for us is when our kids got to that age where they were doing sports and we were driving around, dropping them off, church on Wednesday night, church Sunday, Sunday night. We were just, we were just kind of busy, and uh, busyness blows away consistency. But that's why I'm arguing for just looking for those opportunities. Like if, if you can just um, redeem the time that you have, and, and if, if you got a moment, uh, take it. I, I found for us, dinner time was that moment. Some of you guys do family devotions early in the morning with your kids. I think that's awesome. That never really worked very well for me and my family because I would leave really early and do meetings with, with people in the church, uh, starting usually around six. So I'd be gone. And uh, the kids, I, I didn't want to get them up at like 4.30. That would just be mean. And the kids would hate that. So for us, dinner time was sort of locked in. Um, that's one of the things I think families have lost in modern eras, sitting around the table at dinner. There's something really rich and really good about that. If you can pull that off and sort of make that a rule in your home, that can be really good. And frankly, I'm all for it, even if it's after practice at 7.30 p.m. Um, uh, have family devotions. Uh, right back here. Good. Good question. Uh, and are you, are you referring maybe to some older age kids, like junior high, high school, or, or just any of them? Yeah. You know what's funny about that, that thing is um, I actually tried to pull that off with my own dad, <laughs> and so did my sisters. And um, we, we, we loved family devotions, but somehow when, when my dad would br- break out the family devotion time, I remember me and my sisters copping an attitude and, and uh, you, know, you know, we'd roll our eyes like, like this. And, um, and there was a couple things my dad did. One is he'd say, you guys, you know, this is what we do as a family and uh, you need to get on board. And he'd be really gracious and kind, but remind us not to have a bad attitude. If the bad attitude persisted, he would actually punish us. <laughs> and he'd make, it, make sure we never did that again. You know, Brad, I noticed you're not enjoying family devotions. Um, so what I'd like to do is, we're gonna do family devotions, but um, you, you remember that tree that the bark beetle killed up in the woods, the one that's dead? I want you to cut that down. I want you to delimit and cut it up and split it into about a quart, it'll be about a quart of wood. Uh, uh, and when, when do you want me to do that, Dad? Right now. Yeah, but it's dark outside. Don't worry, the headlights of the truck, we'll just point them on there, you can do out there. When you get done with that, then you can go to bed tonight. 
He actually did that to me a couple times. <laughs> and you better believe I never, ever again rolled my eyeballs during family devotions. I was like, this is what or dead. I love family devotions. My favorite time. No, but so sometimes that works. Um, when we were littler, he, if, if we had a bad attitude when we were littler, he would have spanked us. He would have given us a spanking, told us what was wrong with that. And, he'd, and then he'd lovingly say, you know, now we can start over. But, you know, we need to have a good attitude. And this is work. We're, do, we're doing good work in the Word of God. And he would just teach us how important it was. And sometimes he'd just discipline us. Um, the guy that has the toughest battle, in my opinion, is the person I was referring to where he comes in late. And you haven't had the time to teach those kids early. That's the hard one. And I'm not sure it's fair to just be brutal and punish that kid who never heard anything about this until they were 16 or 14. And, um, and now you're just throwing this family devotion rules on them. Um, the reason I, I don't think you just make them chop wood or whatever necessarily on that is you have to do what's reasonable. They're, they're starting at a different place than I did as a kid with my dad. So I think to be compassionate, gracious, trying to do what we talked about, being covert and sneak in the word as much as you can. Um, there are times where I think you do to say, this is what we do. Um, there were times where my dad would say, when we were like 16 or 17, he'd say, you know, um, this is what we do in our house. Brett, you're totally welcome to move out and go wherever you want. But as long as we're here, this is what we're going to do in our house. And I, you know what? I think my dad was dead serious. Uh, he, it was either uh, get on board with family devos or get out. I think he really meant that. And my mom was always like, oh, dad, you know, Todd, are you sure we should be doing Yes, you know, you just be very firm about it. And uh, um, I actually had to pull that a couple times with my kids and say, kids, you're either on board or you're out. It's your choice. And Debbie would be like, are you serious, Brett? Yes. So that, <laughs> that, that's part of the deal. Is that, is that kind of what you're... Uh, uh, what's that? Right. I think that's an important thing to teach our kids, you know, consequences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but it's totally true. Um, as soon as you decide to do it, then you're attacked. Like the phone rings or, or everybody's got stuff to do or they got homework that night and they're like really frustrated or freaked out or, you know, there's all, I, I think we recognize that as the enemy. I think that's the key for us to recognize that's the enemy. How many of you guys find that like getting out to Wednesday night Bible study, it's like the worst night of the week sometimes. It's like everybody's in a bad mood. Everybody's got tons of homework. You got sports, but you're saying, but as for me and my house, we're going to Wednesday night Bible study, but it's just blood and guts. But once your family gets here, and once you actually are at church and doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, it's amazing how it just is right, and you feel good, and you're glad you came, and the kids' homework thing works out. Um, by the way, just as a dad, uh, father, and, and as a children's pastor who's watched uh, hundreds and hundreds of kids grow up and the attitudes of parents, one of the dumbest things parents do is diminish the value of a Wednesday night Bible study. I'm just being honest. You think, Brett, you're just trying to get people to Wednesday night. No. I'm just saying that, you, you know, people put sports over Wednesday night. People put homework over Wednesday night. You know, it's amazing how my kids never missed Wednesday nights. They played sports. Uh, they had to miss Wednesday practices sometimes or be taken out early. The coaches didn't like it. Tough bananas. Uh, that's what I told them. Tough bananas. Uh, junior is going to play on your team or he's not. It's up to you. 
but he's coming to church on Wednesday night. And, um, and then also, um, you know, um, people say, but our kids need their sleep. That's stupid. Stupid. Oh, man, if you're one of those parents, please. Real life, hard workers grow up um, learning what it means to have to do what you got to do. And sometimes you got to stay up late working. Uh, you know, um, I was here last night uh, working till past 11, and I had like several of my staff were here working till past 11 as well. And I was like, wow, you know, it's kind of cool. These guys know how to do hard work. And, and you know, they were here early in the morning today. And they're, you know, but that's just life. Uh, I, I hope that we don't teach our kids they need their beauty sleep and, and uh, go with that big dumb lie. I think you make sure that there are things like Wednesday night and Sunday mornings, there's priorities and there's certain things that won't trump those things. Uh, and family devotions are important too. Um, and to, to get them in, uh, even though everything seems to be against it sometimes. Uh, kind of a key. Um, I think sometimes with older kids, they're a little tired of being taught, and they feel like they're not heard a lot. So sometimes you can give them the opportunity to lead. So tell, you know, middle school or high school, like, this week it's your turn. I love it. I love that. Did you guys hear what he said? No? He said, uh, you know, sometimes kids get to an age where they're kind of tired of being taught. And I saw that with my kids, and I did the exact same thing, where um, you start to give them the response. We say, next time, Joey, you're going to be teaching, or Brooke, you're going to share, uh, or Casey, you know, or even Deb. Sometimes I have Deb share. By the way, when I wasn't home because of work, um, which was a lot, especially in our younger years when I was at Applegate, um, Debbie did family devotions. When I wasn't there, she did her version, and it was very different than my version, but I'm so thankful I had a wife who held down the fort when I was gone, and she'd read little children's books with the kids and shared little family devotions and stuff, and it was really cool. Then I'd come home, and there were, the kids enjoyed both of them. It's so funny, if you asked our kids, Debbie's were very nurturing and cuddling and sitting and reading a story and pictures and pages and just, you know, like that. It, when I got in there, it was like nuts. We'd blow it up, you know, and I, we'd have a great time and, you know, but, it, but, but my kids valued both of those. So, uh, but, but having your wife do it, but, but I really love what's being said here is that give your kids the responsibility to come prepared to share something. Uh, how, do, how do you teach your kids how to teach? Give them the chance to do it, you know. When I was a kid, uh, I started a program called Kids Teaching Kids at Applegate. And uh, what we did is I'd meet with groups of kids and they would take over the preschool room. And they were all fourth, fifth, and sixth grade kids that would come into preschool rooms, and there was a team. And one of the kids had the art project. One kid had the Bible story that he'd teach. The other kid would have the Bible verse memorization. And, and each child had a thing. So these fourth, fifth, and sixth graders walked in and taught the third, uh, the, the three, uh, four, and five-year-olds. And man, it was so cool because those kids came and they, they delivered. They were really good at teaching other kids. And the little kids, they thought those fourth, fifth, and sixth graders were like, like the most amazing things they'd ever seen because they were cool and they were just a little bigger than they were. Uh, that was cool. So let your kids be a part of something like that. So it's good. Randy? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, it's something I deal with every day because uh, those of you guys that know me really well know that I can't teach the whole Bible. If, if I had to have it all down, if I had to have a whole Bible down and all the attitudes and actions to be right, I couldn't be your pastor. But there's good news. 
Um, Paul had problems, didn't he? He had uh, issues, he struggled with memory. He said, I don't do the things I do wanna do and I do the things I don't wanna do. And, and Paul said, I, Paul, am the chiefest of sinners. And yet Paul was the teacher of the early church, you know, really. So what, what that means is, is truth is truth. So, so just tell the truth. And, and I think um, humility goes a long way as well. So when I, when I taught my kids, they'd see me get grouchy and so I'd admit that to them. Kids, you know, sometimes you see dad get grouchy. That's just not right. And I apologize for being grouchy for sometimes. But, but the Bible says that we're to be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Uh, I don't have that down, but that's my goal. You know, like to, to be honest with your kids and say, I don't have it all down, but this is what I'm working on. So, so don't let your own sinful behavior and stuff stop you from doing family devos um, or your inadequacy or not knowing the scriptures well enough. Um, um, by the way, that's one of the reasons Wednesday nights I think are so important. If you go to Wednesday night for any length of time, you're going to really start to get uh, the Bible, at least where you're not freaked out uh, to share the Bible with your family and your kids. Uh, Wednesday night will equip you uh, in time to, to be able to communicate uh, the Word with anybody, I think, in time. So you're not in, uh, intimidated by your lack of knowledge, and you should not be intimidated by your own sinful condition. Just be humble. Admit your problems. You don't have to, by the way, don't get too detailed with your kids. Uh, kids, I really have been struggling with lust. Don't do that. Uh, that they don't need to know that. Um, and, and in some ways, uh, your wife doesn't even know that. And we'll talk about that uh, in our next session about how to deal all, with all that stuff. Um, anything else before we pack it up? One more right there. Good, good point. Choosing content and making it relevant. You know, um, that's something that's, uh, that was hard for me, and I'll tell you why, because what I do here at church, I don't choose my content, nor do I make it relative, re relevant, because I go verse by verse through the Bible. I guess I, I want to bring the hay down from the loft so that we can all say, this is how it applies to our life. That's what I do try to do here. But, but when you're choosing content for your kids, for me, this is the way I did it. I'm not saying this is the right way, but I would just be observing, what are some of the things my kids really need? How could I best equip them for what they're facing right now. And um, if I notice there's a, um, a grouchiness around the house, I might talk about our attitude and, and look for scriptures and listen to a Bible study online as I'm driving to work about you know, having a good attitude or being grouchy or any of that stuff. I'll look it up and, and I'll study that and then I'll, I'll, I'll address the issue. Um, I think it's important not to, in your family devotion time, speak to one of your children about a specific issue in front of the whole family. I think there's that, that's where you pull them aside and you deal with that issue. It's like, it'd be like if I had a problem with one of you guys um, and I was, I was really bummed, you know, and I, I'm just really irritated. Uh, you know, Jim just is driving me crazy. You know, he's got that, that, you know, goatee and look at that guy. And so I preach, goatees are from Satan. And I start teaching that from church, uh, from the front, uh, because I've got a problem with Jim's goatee. Uh, you know, I see pastors do that. They preach at people from the pulpit with the problems they have. Big goof. Now, by the way, sometimes people think I'm teaching about them because I, you know, they've got the issue and I, I just, I forgot that we talked about it three weeks ago or whatever, but I'm not. I, I don't talk to people in the congregational setting. When you, when you're talking with your kids, you, you pull Jim aside and say, Jim, your goatee's got to go. 
No, no, I'm just kidding. I, I like your goatee. I like your goatee. Uh, but but, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. You pull them aside. But, but in generalities, when, you're, when you sense your home kind of needs this or at school they're getting that or the other. I remember they were doing a whole, a whole uh, project at um, Archer Glen Elementary School when my kids were there on Islam. That most peace-loving religion, Islam. Elementary, right? So, so uh, I did a little family devos on Islam, and I talked about what Islam is, how it started, so, so that by the time my kids went back to school, they were like, well, actually, uh, Muhammad, you know, didn't do that. He actually started there in Mecca, and he did this, and it was the, the black stone, the crescent moon, and my kids were able to explain it better than the teacher. It was kind of cool, I have to admit. Uh, you know, I, I saw that there was a need for my kids to have a little reinforcement in a certain area, so that's how... I chose the topics, just trying to sense what my kids needed, and then I would do my own homework to make sure I knew what, what, how to share that, and making it relevant uh, by, by the, what they're living, stuff like that. So, man, we could talk about this a long time, but uh, the key is to be in the Word with your families, and with your wives, and with your children. Family devos are huge. Like I said, probably uh, I can echo what Billy said. Uh, I wished I would have done it more even than I did. And we did it a lot, but I would, I would have done it a lot more uh, had I uh, a second chance. Now that my kids are all adults, it's kind of crazy. It happens super fast. And your kids will be driving out of the driveway before you know it. So be ready. One more, Kev. How do you, yeah, great, great question. You know, um, I think for a single guy is to, um, you know, be the man that God wants you to be right now. Like, like start those characteristics that, are, uh, that we're talking about here. Uh, you know, there's guys right now that are listening going, man, I got to catch up to this. You know, I got to catch up to doing family devotions. I got to catch up. But man, if you're already doing your own personal devotions, and if you're already in your mind thinking about, you know, someday I could have kids, this would be a great family devo for kids. Um, I, I love what you guys are doing. You guys are helping out with Sunday school. Like, you're going to be already a better dad because I know you've spent time in the classroom with the kids at Athey Creek, and you're teaching kids already. You know, there's a lot of guys that are uncut. Once they have kids, they're like, what do I do? There's these little beings sitting in front of me, and I'm totally freaked out. Uh, if you've been in the classroom at Athey Creek, you're not going to have Like, there's things you can do just to prepare yourself. Be in the Word. Uh, working with kids as a single guy is... is, is one of the best things that ever happened to me is working with kids. I think that's why I'm here today is I started teaching kids in Sunday school and camps and stuff like that. So just be the man God wants you to be as much as you can today and that'll, that'll transfer really easily into marriage and all those other things. So, well, Lord, we do pray that you'd give us wisdom on this. Uh, Lord, I pray for the dads, the grandfathers, and the single guys. Lord, as men, we just wanna be given to your word. Um, Paul told Timothy, Lord, there in your word it says, give attendance to the reading of Scripture. I pray that your word would be in our homes and filling our lives. I pray that worship would ascend from our lives personally, not just here corporately as a church, but personally in our homes. I pray that prayer would be given and, and that we teach our kids by example as we pray with our wives daily in the morning before we leave and, and pray before we go to bed at night. Lord, I pray for those who've struggled or given up. I pray that they'd take it up again and, and uh, take all the pressure off and just give it their best shot, Lord, and may grace just 
fulfill these, these challenges we put before us, Lord. I pray that we just be able to make it a get to and not a got to. Um, I pray that for the, the dads that have middle-aged uh, kids, middle school and high school who aren't really too excited about family devos, Lord, give them a creativity to be able to interject your word. Give them the boldness and, and uh, no fear as dads just to, to speak the truth in love, but in power, Lord, I pray. So help us, Lord, I pray in this area, and may your word just really be a, a, a real part of our families. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's stand together.